Hey guys, this is Eric Vento on another podcast of Government to Private, where we discuss the transition from government to private, whether that's law enforcement, military, intelligence, teachers, and anyone in between. The, pr- the purpose of this podcast is really to allow you, the viewer, to get a good sense of what it's like for a wide variety of people, because every single journey and every single story is different. And there's a number of different ways to go from the government to the private. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. And again, you know, we really want to encourage you that, you know, there's a lot of different ways and a lot of different avenues that you can take to achieve success and to have a successful transition. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump in. Um, Our guest tonight is Steve Intiman, and Steve and I work together on his transition and his resume and his LinkedIn and a a myriad of other things. And um, he recently uh, had a really good job that we wanted to highlight and um, talk about his transition from state law enforcement to the private sector. So Steve, take it away, brother. Great. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate that. Yeah, you did talk about that. Um, we can get into that later as far as some of the uh, stuff that I learned during that process and the the frustrations that people can go through just in the job market in general. But no, I, I definitely appreciate that and all the extra time. But um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. I, um, I My law enforcement career, I actually got hired really young. I started out here. I'm an Arizona native and I got hired by the Arizona Department of Public Safety in 1991. That was when I started my journey as a trooper, a 22-year-old, and I did 25 years with the department as a trooper. And of course, that took me, I worked in remote areas of the state, um, a lot of the normal stuff that you would do in law enforcement, um, spent a little bit of time doing some public relations stuff, um, did a time in our training unit for a while, did some uh, training development for a while too. And then I promoted to sergeant supervisor in 2004. And the reason why I want to bring that part up is that not just the time under my belt, but I did not promote into a traditional operational position. I promoted into the security guard and private investigator licensing unit. And I inherited a unit that had nothing to do with what I was used to from law enforcement. You know, I had what, 13 years on at the time when I promoted and I had to learn this whole new set of of regulations or what regulations were, but statutes, administrative code, we were putting together a new application process. There was just all this new stuff. But I will tell you that right there, that little piece, that little niche, I want to talk later about the niches that we all develop in our careers. Um, that was what something that has taken me all these years later in, into my, my transition. So after doing that for a couple of years, I did some other operational positions too. I did some administrative uh, bureau sergeant stuff. And in 2012, I'm going to go back to the licensing side. I actually was asked to stand up an investigations unit that focused in on regulatory violations, predominantly security guard and private investigator violations. And the unit had not existed before. I inherited two detectives and two civilian auditors. And it was awesome because I got to get back into the environment that I kind of knew a little bit of, but now it's from an enforcement standpoint. And we put together some really big cases that I think really blew people's minds about. um, They're just like, oh, it's just regulation. How boring is this? We're checking guard cards at houses. And I'm like, no, we served some search warrants on some licensees houses. And we we put some people in jail that needed to go in jail that, um, you know, that that wasn't outside of the norm. So that was an exciting time. And then I was getting towards the end of my career, honestly, and I took the captain's process and (laughs) did very well in the captain's process. So in 2014, I got promoted to captain 
And there was a few positions that were open, but they really approached me. And one of the positions was to take over the entire regulatory bureau. And so that went from not only just having the security guard and private investigator licensing underneath me as a captain, I also had our entire fingerprint system, our entire criminal history records. That's for the entire state of Arizona. Um, under that, all of our CGIS access um, fell under that bureau, our concealed weapons, clearance cards, fingerprint clearance cards. So there was a tremendous amount of stuff, um, just huge amount of volume of information, but it was all interlinked. And, you know, when it's all said and done, if cops ever wanted to come and ride with me, they would have been walking around offices looking at paper. But I think, <laughs> but I think the liability we inherited from people's due process and, and criminal record stuff was actually higher than the times that we were out there dealing with guns and badges. So it was kind of an ironic twist, but all of that developed me um, to that. I spent my last year as the business manager for our Merit System Council, which oversaw basically department decisions on disciplines, but also promotional processes. And so, which also was also very regulatory. And during that time frame, I just learned a lot of stuff from the um, legislation, how legislation is done, lobbying, putting all of that stuff together, writing legislation, um, how administrative code works. And so here comes this, this crazy niche of information. And I retired in 2016. I'm coming right up on my seven years from being sworn. So that was a 25-year career. And I immediately, I retired on a Friday and started on Monday at our Peace Officer Standards and Training. So I, I stayed basically in the same agency. Um, I was now a civilian. We were all retired cops. And I became a training manager there at um, Arizona Post. And I did that for almost three, well, it was about three and a half years, actually, it was over three years. And again, people that I was familiar with, and I was working again at the state level with other agencies, putting on some leadership training. We had a leadership program. I was one of the key instructors, but developers for that information too. Our supervisor course of instruction, a lot of our other specialized instructions and the SME committees all fell under that. And so I was still working in a lot of the area that I had really developed some special some special area for, and I'll probably get you to how I transitioned out of it, my decision-making on that. And I still remember it, it was about July of 2019. And we'd had a transition, we'd had a big change in the leadership there at Post. And it was a, um, it was a major change. It, it, it was impacting every single one of us and it was hitting my core. And so I, at that point, you figure I had 29 plus years in law enforcement, whether I was sworn or now in the civilian world working around law enforcement. And I'll be honest, I had just had it. I had just had it. I was losing sleep. I was the unhealthiest I'd ever been in my life. I had put on, I had hit my all-time highest weight. I've always struggled with my weight, but I'd hit my all-time highest weight. I felt bad. Mentally, it was bad. Like I said, I couldn't sleep well. Um, my neck was killing me. Just it, everything was just radiating out through me. And I just was not a happy person. And I had words with our deputy director and it is out of my character to lose my temper. And I um, I told him in no uncertain terms how I felt. And I, I knew at that day, I said, you've got to get out of here. I kind of thought they were going to tell me I needed to get out of there, but somehow <laughs> they did not. And um, but I set my plot at that point. And that was July of 2019. And I basically had a five month plan because I wanted to end at the end of the year just for buyout reasons and everything. If I could get to the end of the year. And I did. Um, I you know, kept it pretty quiet and I left. So I left state employment right at the end of 2019 and we will just start 2020. So I started my LLC, which is code for specialists at that time. And again, um, it was great. I was getting momentum. I've written some proprietary training courses from the management, you know, from the manager standpoint and how to deal with difficult employees, some team building. I've, I've done that. So I was able to start marketing that. I started doing that. 
my going back to my niche, I had reached out to the security industry locally here in Arizona and said, hey, what can I do for you now that I don't have conflict of interest? And I, they hired me as a lobbyist. So I was able to write some legislation and we proposed some legislation, got some legislation passed, started working those angles there in the processes. And um, as we all remember, so 2020, my timing is not necessarily perfect in my family. Um, as we know, three months into the year, something changed in 2020. And so I went from having a lot of momentum and a lot of people being interested in, oh, Steve's available now to what am I doing tomorrow? And nobody needed training. Nobody needed advising. Nobody needed anything. Legislation shut down. Everything shut down, as we all know, due to COVID. And so I tried to stay relevant for a few weeks by still reaching out any information I could get uh, because licensing was impacted. So that's my expertise. So I trying to communicate that information out. And then I got a phone call. I get a phone call from a president of a local security company here who I'd worked with before and knew him. He was retired law enforcement as well. And he said, hey, I got to pitch an idea to you. He said, my hunch is you're probably not working right now. And I said, I got nothing going. <laughs> and he said, um, well, we have a failing account. It's our second highest account. It's a prestigious account. He's like, I know you don't know the security industry, but I know you know people and how to manage people. And would you be interested? And I thought, well, I have nothing else doing. Here's an opportunity to learn the other side of the industry. I'd only dealt with it from the regulation standpoint. And um, so it's an opportunity. It did not pay very well. <laughs> I will tell you that on the front end, but I was making nothing. And I treated my mindset said, well, let's treat this as a pretty decent paid internship, so to speak. And so I, um, I did, I took that account over and I learned a lot and we can talk about that too. And I did that for, I worked at the account for a year. Then I worked at the corporate level for that company for the next year, developing programs for them, some onboarding and some other uh, manager and supervisory training and programs. And, um, then in the beginning of this year, I started working for a completely different company, a national uh, security company, and was a regional director. And I, after about six months there, I decided again, it was just not the right fit for me. And so I'm back to pursuing my LLC and not, not exactly sure where I'm going to go. So it's kind of the fast forward version of my, my, my life since really 1991 professionally, but how we got here. And, um, you know, I, I was a trooper at one point and people that know me will testify to that, but they're getting farther and fewer between now. So I have to look at my pictures from time to time to remember what I used to do, but things are good now. <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's, I love that, man. That's, that's a lot of information, but it's also really good information. And, you know, I picked up on a few things from that conversation that I, I kind of want to highlight, which are, you know, when you left law enforcement, you know, and I mean the, the training academy, because I still count that as law enforcement, um, you know, you, utilized in a pre-existing relationship to go over this security company and you know the the con or the the area of improvement was that you didn't know the security industry but you knew how to lead you knew how to lead you knew how to manage people and that guy knew that and that's ultimately what he needed you know and that's that's a really good point because most of the skills i would say and i say most very intentionally here but i would say most of the skills and the corporate world can be learned, you know? And yes. although sure it's helpful to hire someone with the, with the previous background and doing something, but a lot of this is learnable. It's, you know, it's very easy to come into a new role and learn it. And, you know, what's not easy is having those, um, those soft skills, if you, if you will, you know, the ability to empathize you know, the ability to form, you know, 
closely held interpersonal relationships, the ability to work well within a team environment, you know, and, you know, obviously you had a guy who already knew you pretty well, you know, and knew that knew what you could offer and you were very successful in that role. And, you know, that's one of the things that I, I closely advise every single person that I talk to is when you're coming out of the government, most people forget to leverage the people that they know. You know, they're like, well, I don't, I don't know anyone at that company or I don't know what to do. Well, have, do you know anyone who has made the transition? Or do you know anyone who's already in the private sector that you can just add for an intro? Or like, hey, what is about this? And what about that? And, you know, I think, you know, the example that you gave is, is very, very relevant for a lot of people just because, you know, whether you're an introvert or whether you're an extrovert, we all have relationships. You know, and if we leverage those relationships, who knows what kind of value that we can get out of them when we're navigating a new chapter in our life's professional journey. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, it, it, you were talking about the the building those relationships. And again, it is because I think if people are making a transition and they haven't put some of those other pieces in place, it's not that they can't be successful, but Again, I started relationships in 2004 as a new sergeant that I still have today. And I'm talking about that was in the private sector. There's a couple of folks in the PI world in particular that I've known since 2004. And we have made that. And those have turned into referrals to me since I've been retired. Those have been referrals. I have a, a relationship um, built with one of our local newscasters out here. And he reaches out to me from that was a referral. I got referral to do some coordination for another attorney out here that they couldn't handle some expert work. Those are all been based off of those referrals that I need. But also besides the the president that reached out to me that we had that he reached out to me because we had that relationship but I also when I was leaving I made sure that I had some of the contacts before I left just their contacts it was nothing inappropriate to take the the name and the phone numbers and those are the people that I started reaching out to after the fact and say hey you've known me for a while I'm retired now I don't have any conflicts of interest where do you see and I did it was advisory and a couple of them were very generous they were generous with their time they met me for lunch they paid even I wasn't used to that coming from the government world there and um taking time to say yes this is what I see you could do this is how we could use you and next thing you know I'm being signed into a contract to work for the local security association. That's how I did the lobbying stuff and worked with that. Um, that spawned off into other familiarity with other companies on top of that. So there was a huge value in that, but that was many years. Not, not that you have to have many years in the making, but having built those relationships and then reaching out to those folks after the fact, so many of them were very generous and still to this day are very generous and, and I've got a good working professional relationship with them, but it started literally 19 years ago with some of them. Awesome. And the, the current job that you just left, how were you introduced to that position? Like, how did you obtain to obtain that role? So that goes back to last. So last year, I decided I wanted to get back into more of a traditional role because, again, I was in the in-between. I left the other company, was doing some of my LLC stuff and had been looking to relocate on top of it. So I started doing the the application uh, mill that we all that a lot of us have experienced. And that was a huge that was a huge eye opener to me. Um, not just an eye opener, but a stress. I started talking to other people that I know through my my career and other network, and we're all in the same boat. And I started following people online, and we're all in the same boat. Like I'm getting ghosted, or I'm not getting any feedback. So I was I was blasting, you know, my resumes and and fill out this process and answer this personality quiz here. And okay, I don't I don't personally have a college degree, but this said you have to. So I you know, am I getting 
thing and only getting about one out of five applications to turn in, even getting any like, hey, thanks, but no thanks. And so I was super frustrated, which is how you and I, I think, had our initial contact through referral, another referral. Hey, reach out to Eric. And then you and I spoke. We did our stuff, which honed in and took all this this hodgepodge of all of my jack of all trades type of stuff and put it into these tangible pieces. So that was the huge big piece there. So the time of us working together and then a one of the spots that I put out that I was highly interested in, I felt like, okay, this really matches my skill set. Looks like it's going to get me relocated um, at a level that I really believe this is my background and possibly a good stepping stone to learning the next level up because I feel like I, I'm still missing pieces that I would like to learn to level up, right? And um, and I did, and they uh, right before the holidays, I get a call and said, hey, are you interested? We'd like to interview you right after the holidays. And then I did the interview and they flew me out there um, a week or so after that to go out and do that. And it seemed like it was gonna be a really good fit. And the company's really good and it was a good fit to a certain degree. But I think personally, when it's all said and done, it was not the biggest picture that I need. And and I, I got a little bit, I'm a little bit fortunate in life that I've set myself up to make those decisions. And I had to make, and I, it goes back to, I needed some satisfaction in life, which I think is what drives a lot of people to make this transition too. Um, you know, I'm a little bit older than a lot of folks that are doing this transition and I'm not ancient, but I also am highly aware of mortality. And I just don't, you know, we only get so many seasons. I'm a garden guy and uh, my my life is all based on garden and uh, seasons, right? And so I realized that I only get so many years to grow tomatoes and uh, and squash every single year. And, and I just don't want those to keep passing me by without getting to my personal goals as well. So I made a decision on good terms, um, you know, still very fond of, of all of that stuff. It just wasn't the right fit. Yeah, so here, so here we are. <laughs> and that, and then, you know, what, what's a really important point to, to, you know, come from that is that sometimes that happens, you know, and, you know, pre COVID, there was a lot of expectations in the private world that you needed to stay somewhere at least a year, you know, and that was, if you, it was left in a year, then you had like a bad mark on your reputation or people look at you differently. And now, you know, there's a lot more acceptance out there that sometimes stuff happens, you know, sometimes no matter how much we think it's a good fit, no matter how much information we have that we walk into a job or a new situation and it's just not the right fit. And sometimes it takes some time for us to learn that. And there's no shame, you know, there's no shame in saying, Hey, you know what, this isn't a good fit, you know? And I think pre COVID, you know, there were a lot of examples of people just sucking it up and sticking it out just to get to that magical number of a year. And now it's just like, why? You know, like, why am I going to put myself through that? Why am I going to put the company through that when it's not a good relationship, you know, for whatever reason? And, you know, I think a lot of people just need to know that it's okay for something not to work out. You know, like we learned something from it. It was it was an experience that will shape us. And, you know, whether it's you, you worked a six month contract or you worked, you know, seven months in a full time job and you just said, you know what, there's there's certain aspects of this job that are really good. And then there's some that are not. And I'm in a I'm in a place in my life where I don't want to be, you know, encumbered with toxicity or whatever the case it is that, you know, you're struggling within your job. And, you know, like you said, you're at a point in your life that you can afford to make those decisions, you know? And again, I just think that a lot of people, you know, would be better off if they 
gave themselves some grace and said, you know what? It's okay that this doesn't work out. I can find something that will. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, you brought up a little, a couple of things again during that time frame, And I, it didn't, I, one is a little bit of the shame, a little bit of the shame. Cause I felt, I, it makes me feel a little bit like a failure. Right. Cause I mean, even, even during my law enforcement career, you know, even any position, I never stayed in any position less than two or three years before you move on to something else, promote up or transfer to something else. So there was that little part of me that's like, ah, I, I haven't been here long enough and I don't know what this is. But along those lines, I also sought out counsel. I did not make that decision in a vacuum. I had I had received some professional counseling, uh, counseling, sorry, some professional coaching from a professional coach and uh, reached out to him. And said, I kind of, and it was, we were focused on one particular area, but I reached out to him separately and said, Hey, I'd like to kind of go offline with you on a separate area if you're cool with that. And he gave some time to me and we chatted. And, and because he had talked about when he retired from the military, he found himself in a position. So it was kind of a similar thing. He just knew it wasn't right. And that's how he ended up what he's doing now. And I just said, and he said, let's spend some time clearly. And I do believe that. I think this is a recommendation I'll throw out to the audience too that. Emotional stuff don't make emotional decisions. So because, again, it's, you're working in the government world, you're working in things, we get a bad boss, we get a jerk, whoever, somebody that we don't mesh with, it's easy sometimes to say, screw it, I'm out of here and make that decision. And then maybe we regret it later and we don't want that, right? So I didn't make an emotional decision. I did seek out some some counsel, talked it over, obviously talked it over at home as well with my partner, but then, but with the, an outside unvested individual and just talked about it. And so that from that conversation, it took another couple of months of really vetting things out and doing the whole proverbial, you know, the pros and cons list, so to speak, and finally got to that point. And then it was like, oh, I don't want to have this conversation, but I have to, I have to have this conversation. It's not right. They, there was another potential opportunity that they wanted to explore a little bit, decided the timing wasn't right for that. So like I said, I, I feel in my world that I I gave it my all. Um, it just wasn't working with what I wanted to go. And I, and I, I still have that little bit of doubt and shame in my head. Was that like the wrong thing, but it's still the right decision for me and, and my partner to move forward. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've, I've definitely had, you know, as I've talked about on, on numerous podcasts, I've definitely had my own share of that, you know, and although it was really, really crappy to go through it, you know, I look back on it as we do on, on life in general, you know, hindsight being 2020, you know, we look, I look back on that and say, that was a really crappy thing that happened. And if I had to go through it again, I wouldn't want to, but it provided me multiple opportunities to do A, B, C, and D. It gave me a relationship that I treasure that, or that I still, you know, have, it gave me experience that I otherwise would not have had, you know, which enabled me to get the job that I currently have. And so, you know, I always encourage people, just like I encourage myself, you take the good with the bad, you know, like if you're in a, in a crappy job, that's, you know, toxic, you have a bad manager, the, the work-life balance isn't great, whatever the case may be, you know, you, you take the good with the bad, you know, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm really happy that I got this because of, you know, A, B, C, and D and now I'm going to look for something else that more closely aligns with what it is I'm looking for. 
And that is a little bit of a learning process too, because now I'm like, okay, I, I don't have a lot of this private sector experience. Really, it's only the second job I've had outside of working for the government for almost 30 years, right? And so it uh, a little bit, it, it was. So I have learned a lot in that too. I've also learned probably maybe about my skill set too, and that where I need to make sure that even though I thought I was inserting at the right level, maybe it still wasn't the right level. I think that was important too. But to your point, um, you know, the people that you miss, I mean, you miss some of the people, right? So like, I didn't have a bad boss. I didn't have bad experience. Like I said, good, good experience overall from a company company level, it's just not for me working. But the folks that were the teams that I oversaw, you know, I was a regional director, I had six teams throughout the country, and just some top notch individuals, a lot of retired law enforcement, or a lot of retired military as well, not everybody, but a good chunk of them were. And then uh, the teams that they were running and some of the, the highest level top notch um, physical security teams that I've been around. And, you know, I've been around it a while now to watch just how well they're managed. And with that, having built the really good trust and connection, the hardest part was having those conversations with each of my managers. And then just knowing that the teams, I had good, good relationship with the recruiters and some of the people here at the Phoenix office that weren't under my site, but we, we developed relationships. So that's been the weirdest part again is, and it's the weirdest part every time I leave is I, I'm a relationship person that is kind of my, part of my skill set and my nature. And so to, to lose those. And when you change that, you're like, oh man, I, I don't get to talk to some of those folks. As often. I, I have a few <laughs> right. of them that we still are going to chat. We're connected on LinkedIn, but you don't, you miss some of that. So yeah, but all, all, valid, all valid stuff, Eric. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier that you wanted to talk about, you know, mental wellness. Um, you know, was there anything else from that? from what you alluded to earlier that you wanted to get into? Um, on the on the mental health? Yes, I do. So I want to talk about it in two phases. And one of them being just my actual transition out from being sworn into a non-sworn individual, because I was, it, it was important because there's a couple of things that went through my mind. And years ago, there was a gentleman I used to work with, um, Jim Warner. He uh, worked with me at DPS and he went through basically became, I think, master's level. I'm not sure if he ever got a PhD, but master's level on counseling. And I remember, gosh, so many years ago, I was talking about, I think I was working on a training program and he had mentioned that suicide rates and law enforcement, you know, that, that, that there wasn't necessarily a difference from just the normal population to that. However, when they got to retirement, that's where the numbers changed. And that always stuck in my mind, right? And so here I am, September, 2016, I told you I retired on a Friday, started on a Monday. And I went from being a sworn individual from 25 years, you know, people call you by your rank. Um, there wasn't a single person at my department of over a thousand sworn and probably half or more of that, you know, civilian that didn't know who I was because of roles that I had. Right. And I don't mean that in a negative or in, a, in a braggadocious way. It just just I had roles that people knew who I was. All of a sudden, I wasn't that person anymore. And I started having a pit in my stomach for the first several weeks. And it was just like an impending doom kind of a feeling. And I didn't know what was going wrong. I mean, the, the job was completely different. Um, clearly, it was different. I'm working with retired cops. Some of these people I even knew. But at the same time, it just everything was different. You know, they take away your authority. Um, I, I just... I don't know what it was. It just went through this. And so it was a mental hit. And I kind of I kind of recognized it about a month into it. I was out with a friend. We're out here in the desert in Arizona. We we're out. I was out with a friend that fall and we we're picking prickly pear cactus. <laughs> and what keyed in on me, it was a Friday because I wound up working a 410 schedule at the time. So I was off on Fridays, also something that was new to me. So I was enjoying that time. And I went to reach for my second phone to check my emails and my messages. And I realized 
you don't need to carry a phone with you anymore. Nobody needs you anymore. And what it was is I had to finally, it was about a month into it where I finally realized this impending feeling that you have is it was really almost a detox that I felt like my body had to go through that my identity had changed. And I think it was important when I heard Jim Warner's words in my head again, I wasn't at risk for any of that, but still hearing, knowing that there was that little dark shadow, that little pit that kind of could creep in. And so when I know of folks that are retiring from law enforcement in particularly, I will sometimes reach out to them directly and just say, Hey, and so this will be kind of the message for everybody here. Like, listen, you may go through this and it's okay. Just be aware of it and don't let it get out of hand, right? Reach out, reach out to me, reach out to somebody else. It's just the transition. It's just us kind of going through this phase. So that, so I think that's a really important part. But then when I mentioned in 2019 also, man, I'd let myself get out of so much out of control and it was just stress and anxiety, right? The job, the change in leadership there that was just, I did just did not align with it all. And it was just hitting me at my core and it was robbing my soul. And I, I had been seeing a personal trainer, which is funny. How did I get the heaviest weight I'd ever been living the unhealthiest, but I was wasting money on a personal trainer. And this young man was only 21 years old. And he, um, he just had the perfect balance about being able to kind of snap me because I came in with all these excuses and he snapped it into me um, about like, hey, you probably need to take some accountability on some stuff. And then I had a few other you know, folks too. And it was just a weird convergence of time. And so it was September of 2019, that same year, um, I put the my fitness pal app on my phone and I started tracking my stuff and I've done nothing con- inconsistent. I mean, nothing uh, radical is what I meant to say, but I've been consistent. And now almost four years to the date, I've logged my stuff every day. I've implemented a workout and a walking plan. And at the very least, if you can just put walking into your regimen on a daily basis, it'll start to change your mental health and your physical well-being. And I'm talking walking. I'm not talking running and sprints and doing anything else. If you can just put some walking 30 minutes a day in. And so I really have had a focus for the last four years because I've seen how it's changed my so much stuff to keep me on that front end. And even during stress, we went through COVID healthy, lots of other stuff, too. And I'm not saying these are all perfect things but I've been super focused and yeah, I'm an older person now. So I think it's important to take care of yourself just for all of those logical reasons, you know, to maybe extend the clock a little bit more, but we're missing the boat on talking about that. You know, the first responder world, the military world, it just, it, it sucks something out of us, the demands, you know, right. It sucks something out of us. And, and again, it just doesn't have to be this crazy program, but I, I've seen the value for the last several years of being able to put, wellness as the focus, not physical fitness, but wellness, which is all encompassing of all these pieces that go into it. So again, that's, that, that is my little proselytizing to folks out there that no matter what you're doing, um, take that seriously. Um, it took me, took me a number of years to hear that, but I really feel strongly about talking to that about people. So, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I've had a lot of podcasts over the past couple of years about mental health and wellness, especially leaving law enforcement, because you know, um, you know, there is a difference between being able to choose your exit path out of law enforcement and having that path chosen for you, you know, and, you know, as a lot of people know, my path was chosen for me and, you know, um, there's not a day that, that goes by that I don't regret it, you know, and I like to say to my wife all the time that, you know, regret is a waste of time, but I still regret, you know, and, um, you know, that, that identity that you have in law enforcement, um, it's something that whether you choose to voluntarily separate or involuntary, it can take a long time to kind of 
you know, evaporate is probably a good word from that sense of just awareness and that sense of like always being on, you know, and I can definitely, you know, empathize with that. I've been out of law enforcement for about seven years, six and a half, seven years. And, you know, I still have that always on mentality, like, you know, um, and I, I, you know, I think a lot of it is, you know, it's just ingrained in us, you know, it's just that we, we did it for so long, you know, there's just a part of who we are. Um, but I think a lot of it is recognizing the good parts versus the parts that kind of need to go away, you know, and uh, the mental health and the wellness that you're referring to, like, you know, I, I went into professional counseling for a number of years just to, you know, understand what had happened and and try to move past it in a, in a healthy way. And I credit, you know, my success and, you know, who I am today in, a, in large part because of that counseling, you know, and so I very much agree that, you know, obviously counseling doesn't work for everybody, you know, but you need to find out what does work for you. You know, and for you, it was taking accountability. It was physical fitness. You know, it was, you know, probably uh, uh, other things as well. But, you know, it's like figure out what works, have an honest conversation with yourself and, you know, put a plan in place. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, the app has just been a good thing for me in general, but I think there's lots of ways we can be accountable. But consistency, right? Um, just that, that has been my biggest thing is consistency. But yeah, I if you talked to me 20 years ago, 10 years ago, I'd not be the one sitting here probably telling you that, but um, somewhere had that little bit of a uh, you know, that epiphany that uh, road to Damascus conversation with my <laughs> my trainer, who I maintained a relationship with with several years, actually. He's uh, graduated to be a physical therapist now. So I uh, still very fond of 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 a guy that was half my age or more basically snapping a knot in my my tail. But but, but it worked. So but whatever it takes. But yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Um, you know, what 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 is some advice that you would give to someone who is either currently in the transition process or considering a transition? Um, I mentioned it a little bit earlier ago. I wanted to go back to the fact that um, don't make emotional decisions, right? Have have a thought. Um, and you, you just brought up the example. Maybe you're told differently or maybe you're, you're maybe the, the path is chosen for you. Okay, I, I can see that. I can understand that. That may not give you that ability. But if you're, if you're contemplating and doing the pros and cons situation, um, don't, don't make those decisions in a vacuum, you know, again, family, friends, obviously, um, you know, personal relationship, who, who, if you have somebody significant other in your life, um, again, reach out to a professional coach, mentor, whatever avail is available to you. You may have to even spend a little bit of money to make some of that happen, but don't make an emotional decision. Um, again, me having that conversation with that deputy director way back, it's not one of my better professional moments. And I'll acknowledge that I could handle better. I don't disagree with what I said. I just disagree with my, my delivery and everything, but it was it was the catalyst for it. But um, that then also, again, we, we develop niches in our career. So what do you really truly find your passion about? Again, I the irony is this is you would not put me in a I am a, I'm a trainer and kind of a public speaker by by nature. That's my natural thing. So where do where do I get off on this? 
I'm, I know regulation, and yet I am probably the only person in Arizona. If you're in the private industry, private security industry in Arizona, and you have a problem with getting licensed, or you have a problem with interpreting something or needing something like that, you're calling me. And I don't mean that in a jerky way. I just mean like it became such a niche. So did you develop, have you developed a niche, not ignoring that? And how does that then translate out into the world? And so if you have a couple of year plan, even a six month plan. What do, you, what do you know? Is there any training that you can do to kind of pad, you know, your, your experience and level looking for that, that next leap? You know, I, I know a lot of folks in the PI world, they retired cops, they, their niches was um, co collision investigation. So they're doing out there doing reconstruction stuff and doing very well. Some, you know, some had some other areas, some, you know, high level investigative experiences. So, so they're doing those specifically. So what is that? One of the things that I've learned through you, through just the LinkedIn stuff in general, is that, that, the importance of not being afraid to reach out to people either. And there are a lot of folks that will give their time. So I talked also about how I developed those relationships. So I use the relationships that I knew personally already. And then I didn't, um, I haven't disregarded the new relationships that I've built. There are several people that I started to network with um, that last year at a conference was the first time I got a chance to meet them physically in person, but I had been networked with them for a little bit of time online. And so that power of LinkedIn, you know, spending time with people like you, Eric, I'll, I'll, I, there's probably nobody else that can do what you do, Eric. So I'll give you that extra plug. So, um, but, uh, but, you know, spending time with somebody like you to actually help hone that information in and then um, making sure that it looks as good as it is, but then doing the reach out. And I've heard a lot of other folks that you've talked to talking about that reaching out and, and networking too. Um, and it, it, there is definitely life on the other side. There was a time, you know, I think we talk about imposter syndrome a lot of times, and I know I've dealt with that. You can still deal with it on a regular basis to a certain degree, but there was a time when I was on that government side. I'm like, I'm a cop. Uh, yes, I was successful at these levels and all these other things, but I don't have a college degree. How am I going to do this? And yet I've had plenty of opportunity, both through my own personal, personal business consulting and training business, and then also just working in this private world. So don't sell yourself short. Um, so again, don't be emotional, reach out for some help and like that. get your plan together of the stuff that you know, your niche, and then, uh, be confident when it's time to do it, be confident. I love it. I love it. You know, and I just want to reiterate this to, to anyone who's listening is that, you know, this transition can be done, you know, and it takes a lot of work on average and it takes doing a lot of things well consistently you know there obviously there are unicorns out there who you know <laughs> they get the first job they apply to and there's really no rhyme or reason as to why that happens obviously if you're leveraging pre-existing relationships like you did steve then it makes it a lot easier because you know you're not having to sell yourself someone already knows your value you know but for most people you know, regardless of, of who you are, how high of a security clearance you have, where you're coming out of, it takes a lot of work, you know, and that's something that it shouldn't be that way, but it is. And having access to all of these resources and knowing, hey, I can reach out to these people, you know, they're giving up their time to participate in a podcast. They're giving up their time to coach others on the transition process. I'd like to reach out to them. You know, their story resonated with me. And you know, ultimately, that's what we want to do, you know, through this podcast and, and through other, the other resources that are offered on the website is just give people as much information as possible to make an informed decision about the future of their professional life. And I'm working with a lot more, you know, younger guys now who are not waiting until they're 20 and they're getting out 5, 10, 15 years in, you know, for whatever reason. 
And, you know, that's both really sad, you know, for the future of our profession, um, just because we all know the, the hiring shortages that law enforcement is experiencing across the country, but it also brings a unique opportunity as well. You know, and so if there's one person that can be helped by by listening to this podcast, then it's worth it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I never thought that I'd be sitting on here talking about that. I figured I'd just uh, be the cop after so many years and just, you know, right off into the sunset, so to speak. So but no, definitely, definitely on that. So um, and I am seeing that happening with a lot of the uh, the younger officers out there, too. So. But yeah, I, you know, I, I welcome anybody to reach out to me. I make myself pretty available to folks too. So um, if anybody wants to connect, um, make myself available. If Absolutely. there's any value that I can offer. Absolutely. And before, before we close for the evening, I wanted to give you an opportunity to chat about your business. You know, can you give people just a brief overview of, of you know, what, what it is you provide and how you can be contacted if anyone wants to utilize your services? Yeah, absolutely. No, thanks. I didn't even think about that. I should have a little bit of a better, a little bit better elevators pitch for you on this, Eric. But no, ultimately, so it's Code Four Specialists, and it's literally if you go to codeforspecialists.com, that's my website. It's really more of a landing page that just gets you in contact with me um, through email or my phone number that way too. Um, so my areas of specialty, it's it's really it's a training and consulting company, and by consulting, really it can go in lots of different directions, and that's one of my hurdles that I've always struggled is how do I get it into just those areas? But there's I I developed a pretty unique skill set, and so the training is really about management leadership training. Again, I mentioned there's some areas that I have proprietary experience with. I've created one that's called Managing the Tangibles that's specific on how do you deal with problem employees and coach them up or coach them out um, in a very positive way, but we talk about that. I've got another one called Chaos to Cohesion, which is how do we build um, cohesive teams, and that's basically that came out of my, my security world there. It can be a fun team building. It can be also changed up to that, so those are a couple of the programs I did. I'm also an authorized partner with the DISC personality profile um, from Wiley, and so um, I'm a big believer in understanding. It kind of goes back to the soft skills and some of the emotional intelligence stuff that you were referencing earlier that um, who am I personally? How do I communicate? What are my strengths and weaknesses with that? But then also the people that are around me. So people that are getting into leadership roles or needing that leading teams, how do I interact with folks around me? So I can do all of that stuff from the training standpoint, but regulation, um, anything that has to deal with the regulation, particularly in the security world, again, people reach out to me on a regular basis. Um, some good success in the uh, lobbying and, and regulation writing world. And then um really good about team building. Um, people bring me in usually when they're having struggles in areas to kind of assess the environment and then kind of help put together a plan. And that all ties together, the training, um, the, the pieces together. Uh, that's that's kind of how it all does. But again, it's code for specialists. You got to get the extra S at the end there, um, .com. And I'll just take you to a landing page. And then again, LinkedIn is just my name. So Awesome. Well, Steve, is that on-site only in Arizona or do you offer virtual as well? No, I can do virtual. I'm open to travel. Um, I've done a little bit of traveling for a different, few different clients too. So one, you know, one of the things I'll throw out there too. Uh, one of the things because I know people are always looking for keynotes too. So we won't, well, I won't skyjack this at the very end here too. But um, I, I've done a lot of public speaking for a lot of times too. And um, for another time, we can talk about the fact. But if folks are looking for keynote, that is something I have. I have a specific thing in our family that um, we're we're actually the victims of um, a violent crime. My great grandmother was murdered in 1981. It was a 30-year cold case that was only solved by one of the most unique circumstances and coincidences 30 years later. So I've put together an entire presentation or, or as it could be a, um, 
a keynote based on uh, why small things matter. And it's a whole focus in on paying attention to those little tiniest of details and how they impact. So sorry, I, I should have put that in a little bit uh, awkward <laughs> in the end there, but, uh, uh, but I appreciate the extra little plug on that. But uh, that is something I'm focusing in on a little bit more too, is getting out more in the public eye. So. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of highlighting not only people in their transition, but also what they're doing, you know, because, you know, a lot of a lot more individuals nowadays are exploring starting their own business, their own consulting firms, their own whatever as a way not only to diversify their income, you know, with all the turmoil that is is in the corporate world right now, but also as a way just to do something that really interests them and excites them and provide a way for them to explore their passions. And so um, you've had code four specialists for a while now. And, um, you know, if there are people who are listening to this podcast who either could use those services or know of someone who could, you know, definitely want to highlight that and give people the opportunity to know about it and, you know, to hopefully contact you. So Steve, um, just want to thank you for, you know, your servant leadership and being willing to participate in this podcast. You know, I know it's going to help a lot of people, and I just really appreciate your willingness to do so. Oh, thanks. I've appreciated developing our uh, relationship professionally, but then uh, you're checking in on me all the time, too. I really appreciate that, Eric. And thanks for having you're me. You're welcome. You're welcome, Steve. Well, hey, have a good evening. We'll chat soon, okay? All righty. Take care. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye.